This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 177. And welcome to the second part of episode 177 of the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am Riley Bowman, your host, joined again by Matthew Marister. Thank you, sir, for having me back. Yeah, I, re- I released you from episode, you know, part two jail. Uh, you know, you asked the conclusion of our last episode. Can I come back for one more? You know, it's, the second part? I have to, I have to like talk really, really long. So the episodes go, you know, into two parts. So that way I get to get to come on twice. That's my technique. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm the one that apparently talks a lot. Uh, I think there was that's at least consistent with what one reviewer of the podcast uh, said, uh, you know, about me or something. But that and there was someone else that said, uh, I don't remember what his name was, but there was a review of the podcast that said that Riley's mouth can't keep up with his brain or something like that. <laughs> Her brain can't keep up with his mouth. Maybe that's what it was. Oh, man. And dude, oh, man, that got me laughing so hard. So I, whoever left that that little review... Uh, and I, I, I think they actually were being serious, but I, I didn't take it seriously at all. Uh, <laughs> it just, I love you like a brother, man. Like, thanks for listening regardless. I think he said, I have to listen at 1.5 or 2x oh, right. two, two speed. Right, you know, right. You talk so slow or something that it, it drives me crazy. <laughs> and I was thinking, I listen to all my podcasts at 1.5 or 2x speed. <laughs> like, just because... You know, it's all about trying to consume it as fast as I can, I guess, the, the content, but whatever. Anyway, so here we are again, Riley and Matthew and Riley, the guy who his brain can't keep up with his mouth or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I am not a professional. Uh, I'm not even. Well, I guess you could say I'm a professional podcaster now, but I am not a professional, if, if that makes sense. We just do this because we you like sound to. like a professional. Let's, let's, <laughs> yeah, you definitely sound you sound the part. Well, we've been doing this 177 episodes now. Can you believe that? Dang, uh, that's that's amazing. It really is. And I'm completely untrained and self taught. It's just like you know what? We're I picked up a microphone one day and we're like, let's do a concealed carry podcast, and <laughs> we are 177 episodes, almost two years later. Anyway, folks, hey, we really thank you all for listening and supporting uh, the podcast. And one way you can support the podcast is supporting our by supporting our sponsors and products that make this podcast possible. And today's sponsor might come as a surprise. I know, I know, I know. And here you go. Here's ooh, yeah. That's uh, another Henry Weinhard's root beer. You have to slow down on the hard stuff. <laughs> Using my Guardian Nation branded Griffin pry bar tool that came in our last Guardian Nation gearbox. It's pretty handy. So mm, let's take a take a swig. You should include a, a, a bottle of root beer in the next Guardian box. Mm. Oh, so tasty. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, totally. I agree. Although shipping might be a challenge. Well, I don't know. I'd, I'd hate <laughs> it'd be kind of broken. Yeah. Right? Or it'd be all shook up when they open it and they'll squirt all over. <laughs> that, that would happen for sure. But, you know, I might have to look at what the wine uh, wineries do, you know, that ship wine around the world. Oh, right. See how they package it, you know. And uh, I have no idea. I don't buy wine. But uh, I do like me a good root beer. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> Let's get into it. Uh, like I said, our first sponsor today is Guardian Nation. 
go to GuardianNation.com. Check it out. Uh, lots of great reasons to be a member of Guardian Nation, including the boxes and including uh, ac- special access to sales that we have um, and a whole host of other things. So GuardianNation.com. And our other sponsor is Pig Lube. And so with that, Matthew, let us get into it now. Let's pick up where we left off to, uh, yesterday. Perfect. And I, I, I teased it by saying we got this story about an army veteran and a gun owner who writes that the good guy with a gun theory is a myth. But before we get to that, here's another great story. Facebook removed businesses ads for us flags because it sells guns. So this story is that, yeah, a, a company, a website and a Facebook page called the Sportsman's Shop, a small town business that's been in operation since 1954, says it can no longer advertise products like American flags or outdoor clothing on Facebook because its Facebook page promotes the sales of guns and includes links that lead to the same. The, the, the business is located in East Earl, Pennsylvania, part of Lancaster County. Uh, the store specializes in sport shooting, hunting, archery, fishing, and other similar open-air activities. Like many businesses, both big and small, the sportsman's shop depends on digital advertising, particularly on social media platforms, to broadcast its offerings. It was for a long time permitted to use the full capabilities of Facebook's marketing platform until one day staff at the Pennsylvania store no longer saw one of their advertisements promoting the sale of American flags. And you'll see in the story, of course, we always include links to the stories we talk about on the uh, Concealed Carry podcast in the show notes, uh, which are accessible on the website or even in some uh, podcast apps that you use, listen to the podcast episodes with. If you typically, if you tip, uh, t- tip, tap on the cover art of the podcast as you're listening to to an episode uh, it will display uh, the, the same show notes but anyway you see a screenshot here of one of their ads and this is a great ad uh, it, it says here at the top the sportsman shop uh, join us this weekend for our honor the flag sale and then there's a picture of a u.s flag um, in big bold lettering honor the flag sale exclamation mark October 20th 21st and 22nd 2017 10% off all purchases over $50 50% off range time to qualify and this is this is cool man wear an article of clothing containing an american flag carry an american flag or show us an american flag pretty cool you do that you come in you get you know you save money off of a product that you buy in their store and you get half off apparently they've got a range uh, half off of using uh, or renting a lane or whatever at the range. So, hey, that's a cool ad. Mm-hmm. But because Facebook that, you know, looks at and approves ads noticed that they, uh, that a link on their Facebook page took them to a website that sells and sells and promotes guns, they got shut down. Which is terrible. Totally. Uh, I mean, it's this no is secret. Not anything new, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's no secret that Facebook is not pro-gun. Let's put it that way. But I mean, this kind of is a little, it, it, this is even more excessive than what people would tend to think. Um, don't you, I mean, I, I, I thought it was a little more excessive. Totally. I mean, I, I know they're all algorithms and stuff limit posts with depicting guns or people using guns and things like that. And, you know, but this is just, uh, this is just wrong in my opinion. Yep. This you know, just looking at this ad, it says nothing. It says nothing to you about guns. 
right? And so for Facebook to shut this thing down, they they had to go digging. They had to go to this company's website and they had to see, oh, they sell guns. Oh, we can't have that. And whammo, you're shut up, you're shut down. Now, this is something we're very familiar with here at concealedcarry.com. Uh, we also do a lot of advertising on Facebook. Guess what? Facebook and Instagram and other social media sites in, in today's world, that is your advertising platform. You know, I know there's people that get upset about it. Uh, you know, like we, we get comments on ads all the time. You know, I'm sick of seeing your ads. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, you know, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. Okay. I, you know, and partly there's not a whole lot we can do about that. I mean, we, we, we go to Facebook. We say we want to run an ad. We pay them some money and whammo, they run our ads. And, you know, and that shows up on your timeline. I'm, I'm, I, I can't really control the fact that it shows up on your timeline. It, it, you know, what it would mean is we shut off our, all of our advertising. And that would actually mean that we as a company wouldn't exist because we, we, make, we make money. We stay afloat. We continue being able to publish the podcast because we run ads. Just like tons of other companies run ads on Facebook as well on website, other websites, on television, on radio, in the newspapers, in magazines. And by the way, all the TV, or excuse me, the newspaper and magazine ads, that all that's dying anyway. Print media is, it's, it's going away. It's on its way out the door. Uh, you know, where it's at now is, is things like Facebook. So concealedcarry.com has had many ads shut down. And we have fought this battle many times. I feel the pain of the sportsman shop in East Earl, Pennsylvania. I feel their pain. And, uh, you know, we could probably actually give them some ideas about, you know, there, there's some things you can do that increase your odds or chances of not getting shut down by Facebook. And, you know, we've had to be very clever sometimes. Um, you know, some of, some of our listeners are probably like, well, why do you keep supporting an anti-gun company? Well, because this is where advertising is at right now. Everybody in the world pretty much is on Facebook. Uh, not quite, but a lot of people are. And if it didn't work, we wouldn't do it. And that that's that's the reality is that advertising we run on Facebook works. It really, really works. So anyway, I, I think though, uh, it, it, by the way, an interesting thing is you, you would be shocked to see the number of of dollars we spent on advertising last year on Facebook or even this year. Right. And you, I look at it like this, Matthew, and it's like, we gave you Facebook a lot of money. Like seriously, it is not a small number. We gave you a lot of money last year and you, you know, like you shut us down. (laughs) You just took that out of your pocket. Right. And you know, on, in one sense, it's like, okay, bravo. You, you stuck to your guns, (laughs) pun intended. You, (laughs) you, you know, you were, you're principled, you know, because you don't believe in guns and you stood by that, even though we were flashing money in your face and, uh, okay. Yeah. Great. Whatever, you know, but it's such a, uh, prolific platform that is everywhere and is a part of so many people's lives. It's sad that they have to let politics get involved, you know, in, in such a way, you know, cause it's limiting free speech when we do stuff like this. And, uh, you know, I know it's their right technically to do so, but you know, they, they try to be this platform that is for everybody 
and the more users you have using it, the you know the the better they are as a company, and yet then you limit, you know, things like this. Um, you know, it's it it I think it's a kind of a hypocritical thing that that Facebook does. You know, and they'll they'll totally take down gun websites, but they won't take down uh, other companies that are on the fringes sometimes of, you know, what is socially uh, acceptable and definitely guns can be a social issue, right. Uh, for, for a lot of people. And so some social issues, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Planned Parenthood was running ads on Facebook and, you know, that's totally cool. You know, advertising the abortion of, of babies. I don't mean to get into that. This is not a political forum uh, as far as anything outside of guns, typically. (laughs) It wouldn't surprise me that that sort of thing would totally fly in Facebook's world. But an ad about honoring the flag that just happens in a roundabout way lead to a pro-gun or gun-selling website, and you shut that down. Yeah, (laughs) and and I think... You, you touched on a couple of things that are important is that, you know, it, it they have the right there. It's their business. They can, you know, limit what is posted and, and all that stuff. That's fine. Um, but uh, if you're going to present your product as a universal product for everyone with, you know, allowing a platform for everybody and, you know, then then that's what it has to be. If if you're going to limit certain things based on your political stance or whatever, you know, um, I think that you should be transparent about that. And I and I and I think you know Facebook should should say, hey, we are anti-gun, we are anti this, that, and the other thing, and these are these are the things we're not going to allow. Um, rather than you know, every so often they they add in these other little caveats on, on advertising and things like that and what you can post and can't post. And, and I mean, basically they, they can ban almost anything with the verbiage they use. It says ads must not promote the sale or use of weapons, ammunition, or explosives. So, you know, you can't, what's considered a weapon? Well, if you look at another, another, um, uh, rule from Facebook. It says posts with captions, um, cheap firearms by now and weapons of any kind, including pepper spray, knives, tasers, or weapons intended for self-defense aren't allowed. So, you know, anything self-defense. So is that, you know, what now they're determining anything, you know, it, it's just, I, I, th- I think they need to be more transparent with what they allow and not allow and let people say realize that they are not for everybody they're not treating everybody equally yeah you know that's uh you you hit it on the head there because uh it's it's so interesting to me as far as like what you said is they need to be transparent right uh, they need to be transparent, even just in their rules. I mean, you can find, you know, they, they've got their terms and conditions and all their rules and all that, but they don't always apply that uh, equally or fairly or, um, or even, you know, there's, there's times you have ads shut down and they don't even tell you why. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's pretty lame. You know, that's, that's, that is just lame. Well, we shut down your ad. Well, why? And then it's sometimes if you get an answer, it's weeks and weeks before you do. And it's, I mean, like, that's just, that's just lame is really what it is. Uh, I think it's so interesting that they won't, you know, allow even knives, anything dealing with knives. Um, it's like, 
okay, kitchen, set of kitchen <laughs> knives, you know, like that just, it's such an innocuous, you know, uh, utilitarian everyday product and it's right there in their policies, no knives, right? Uh, it doesn't matter what kind of knives, but then, then they say anything self-defense related, which I think that's such a travesty that we live in a world where people would view self-defense products as being some sort of negative, yeah, like a taboo. Like we, we yeah. It's like, really? I mean, we're talking, talking about the preservation and protection of human life, which is a noble thing. Anyway, there you go. It's not the first time we've seen this happen. It's not the last time. Like I said, I feel the pain of the sportsman shop. Uh, I do like to see stories like this get more attention. And hopefully more people are screaming at Facebook saying, you guys are dumb. And maybe eventually, you know, it'll, it'll get through. Who knows? Yeah. That, so go to the at least the one thing. We- go to the sportsman shop page and tell them you support them. That that'd probably help them out too. Absolutely. Let them know totally. they're not alone. And while you're at it, if you haven't already liked our Facebook page, concealed carry, do that too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, next story, and this is the one we were teasing. I'm an army veteran and a gun owner. The good guy with a gun theory is a myth. That's bogus. <laughs> i don't believe it. It, it yeah which will be be very it'll, that'll become very clear because of at least one of our justified stories today which blows this guy's his i i call his statement a myth uh <laughs> because we see this proved we we see the good guy with a gun theory proved almost every week on this podcast as we share with you these justified or defensive gun use stories as part of this podcast. Let me give you a couple highlights from this article that uh, Charles Clymer wrote. Now, interesting thing of note, Charles Clymer in his bio at the bottom of this article says he is a genderqueer army veteran and writer based in Washington, D.C. I don't, sex or gender or whatever is not, that's not that is not relevant to this conversation today, except that I'm going to point out that he may not be. You know, he he comes out and says, "I'm an army veteran and a gun owner." That may be that may. In fact, I I don't necessarily doubt him on that at all. But he, you know, I think in the way he starts off the article and some of the s- statements he makes, he tries to come off as I'm just like you. Right, I don't think it's all that that it's that he's everything that he would like you to believe that he is. And I'm not saying you know because he's gender queer that he's you know that I think you could probably be gender queer or whatever and still be very pro gun. Uh, But I do think this guy is way off base um, and maybe not as reasonable as uh, what he would try to present himself as in some of his thinking here. Now, and not that he doesn't have um, his points, I'm sure to him seem very reasonable, right? Um, And a lot of it is based on his background and his training in the U S (laughs) army. I'm going to lean on you heavily today, Matthew, as we discuss this, because now you, you're not an army veteran, but you are a veteran uh, from the, you know, U.S. Marine Corps. Correct. Correct. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so you, you, I mean, you had some similar training I and mean, it's different for sure. Army and Marines, uh, it's 
two different <laughs> two different things. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure to many people they look at it and be like, ah, it's the same stuff, right? They're all they're all grunts. We're different, um, we're but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, so let me let me start off here. In the article, he says, last week, another man with another high-powered rifle opened fire on Americans with the intent to kill as many people as possible. Before being shot and killed by police, Kevin Jansen Neal, this is the guy in Northern California, murdered his wife and riddled, riddled a grade school in rural Rancho Tehama Reserve with bullets, ultimately killing five people and injuring others. Uh, as a, In a busy news cycle, the shooting barely registered at the national level. This is our new reality. But due in large part to the longstanding political apathy towards gun control legislation, a concerning phenomenon has emerged in the wake of the mass shooting epidemic. The myth of the, quote, the good guy with a gun, end quote. Our nation's love of firearms combined with our history of arrogance and hyper-masculinity has produced a culture in which millions of particularly younger white men now believe they could at any time be the only thing standing between good and evil. A quick search on YouTube will provide countless videos of these would-be superheroes strolling down city streets with powerful rifles on display, begging for law enforcement to challenge their constitutional rights. This is not a sim- this is not simply an issue of second amendment rights. However, the world is a dangerous place, and these would-be crime stoppers claim that a good guy with a gun must be ready and willing to stop a bad guy with a gun. As evidence, they point to high-profile stories like the recent Texas shooting at First Baptist Church, in which a good Samaritan with a gun chased and ultimately wounded the shooter as he left the church. He did not prevent the massacre, but maybe he could have if he had only gotten there earlier. At least that's what these people argue. The problem with this narrative, besides the lack of research or data, data su- suggesting more guns does indeed prevent violence broadly, and I would counter that, by the way, uh, is that killing another human being, even a bad one, is not easy. This is not call of duty. Despite the damage that modern weaponry can inflict, there is a reason that soldiers and law enforcement officers receive thousands of hours of training in firearm and firearms and tactics. This training is physical, mechanical, and most importantly, psychological. Because in order to efficiently and effectively kill other human beings in high-stress situations, one must be conditioned to negotiate that stress. So, you know, typically I don't make a habit of trying to quote, you know, articles and news stories on the podcast at uh, great length. But I I felt like I needed to read that beginning of this article uh, because it really sets the tone. And and I wanted to make sure that I communicate it clearly. Um, by the way, that last paragraph, uh, other than him suggesting that there is not da- data suggesting more guns does indeed prevent violence, because um, I don't think that's necessarily a true statement. I do think that we can point at some data sets that would show that more guns can reduce gun violence or violence in general. But uh, But the rest of that where he says that shooting or killing a human being in a high stress situation is not easy and that you must be trained physically, mechanically, and psychologically, that you must be able to negotiate that stress that you are going to encounter. I, I actually think that what he says there is entirely correct. Yeah, I, but I, I, I agree it's correct, It's but it's flawed in the premise that anybody using a gun to defend themselves is intending to kill somebody. I mean, yes, we know that that's ultimately what could happen, but when you're using deadly force to defend yourself, 
your 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 goal is not to kill the person. You're not intent on killing that person. Your your goal, your reaction is um, a sense of survival and to stop that threat. So, yeah, we know that that might happen, and it's true. But um, the way he's pr- you know, army training or military training is different than civilian use of force as self-defense. And I think he's missing that because I, I don't think he's ever taken or understood the, the, the civilian side of, of use of a firearm versus, you know, an infantry unit in the military um, use. And they're completely incompatible with one another. They're not the same. Very well stated. Sir Matthew, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that because we see countless stories out there where regular citizens, civilians, uh, they are faced with a with a threat, with a high stress situation, and they recognize threat. Ah, oh, crap! You know, and. Okay, and, and probably without really thinking or processing much, uh, they they grab their gun, they use it, they stop that threat, and we see that, like I said, countless times each week, and we share those stories frequently. Um, and so you don't have to have thousands of hours of training. Uh, however, there are probably times, actually I know there are times, where there are civilians or individuals that... Uh, and, and some and, and and in some cases draw their gun but don't go through with pulling the trigger you know and, and not because they don't have a justified reason to do so maybe we we don't we don't maybe know the reasons why they don't pull the trigger uh but it could be that suddenly it dawns on them that oh hey you know like i i can't i can't do this i know people that have admitted uh you know, and I've had people in classes that I have taught go, you know, and sometimes it's because they don't really think things fully through until they're in a class. You know, you're teaching them about defensive shooting or something and they suddenly it dawns on them. They go, whoa, wait a minute. We're talking about shooting and killing potentially. Right. Like you said, I mean, the, the focus is stopping a threat. Uh, but definitely anytime we point a gun at someone and pull a trigger, we have to expect uh, that there's a pretty good chance they're going to die, <laughs> uh, especially if we do our job, right? You know, meaning solid fundamentals and we get that gun on target and we're shooting them center mass. Well, there's a high probability we succeed in that. It's wounding them mortally. But uh, so I guess what I'm trying to, I, I see this as going both ways. I, th- I think you don't necessarily have to have thousands of hours of tactical training to be able to do this, that is, shoot at and defend your life uh, and potentially take the life of another to do to do that, to accomplish that goal. Um, but I also think it probably is beneficial to engage in that training. I mean, because we're always advocating for more training, right? And I do think that people will handle high-stress situations the more they're conditioned, like he says here, to negotiate that stress. Mm-hmm. Now, you likely went through s- similar things in, in the Marine Corps, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. How did the Marine Corps prepare you to negotiate high stress and respond with well, deadly force? I, 
Yeah. I mean, the Marine Corps is, is pretty unique. And if you ever watch any, it starts from the second that you exit the bus and get into Marine Corps boot camp, you are under a time constraint on every single thing that you do, whether it's brushing your teeth, putting socks on, putting your underwear on, you are given less time than what you should be given. And you are screamed at the whole time that you're doing that. And and, and it's that sensory um, overload of, you know, sound and screaming and being told to do this and that and the other and continue, you, you know, you're tired, you're worked, um, y- your brain is tired, you're physically tired and you continue to perform and you, you know, that's how you kind of um, condition yourself to be able to handle, you know, the a, a full barrage of your senses um, and still kind of focus on the task and what you need to do. Right. And and the more you're exposed to that that environment, uh, the oh well, and it's not true for everybody because obviously you have folks that are weeded out, and that's part of the idea mm-hmm. as well. Uh, they just can't handle that kind of stress and and still be able to perform. But for many of you, you the more you are exposed to that, and the more you are tested, the the better you get at performing under stress. Absolutely, yeah. So I, I do think that, you know, and I'm not saying everybody has to go th- to uh, U.S. Army or Marine Corps boot camp or or whatever, you know, so that you can somehow magically respond to every high stress situation that you might encounter as a civilian now on the streets or in your home defending you or your family uh, with a gun or else what or or with something else. But but. Uh, I think that there are ways, you know, and the more time we spend on the range, the more time we go through legit training courses, uh, I do think that we are preparing ourselves mentally, physically, and psychologically to to wield that gun and do so effectively. And w- one one of the big, big, big key factors, I think, is making certain things automatic, right? Like you recognize threat, and this is really what you're trying to program into your brain, right? Is to be able to recognize cues uh, of a, of a threat, right? So you see, you've got an individual, you've you've analyzed that individual, you you realize that there's something off about them, and now they produce a weapon. That's the cue. What's the response, right? And once you, because once you've identified your life is endangered, uh, that is, you know. That, that's basically your justification for defending your life. This dude is threatening my life or he's threatening the life, the life of a loved one. All right. I recognize that the decision is made. I respond now, hopefully at that point, it, it really should almost become automatic because all you're making the determination of is threat must respond. Right. Exactly. And for me, all my gun handling time that I spend practicing and practicing and training and, all that is to hopefully make the gun handling part of it or the weapon handling part of it as automatic as possible. So the, the, the one decision I'm making is use, you know, use deadly force or not. And when I make the decision, gun in hand, gun extended, trigger pressed and bang. And hopefully I, I live to see another day. Right. So I, I'm sorry, I, I'm doing that kind of little mental exercise. Uh, thinking about the the direction this guy is going, 
And I think what he's trying to get at, if you, the more you read into this article, and I'll let you maybe dive into this a little bit more, Matthew. Uh, it, I think what he's trying to get at is that civilians out there are not prepared to, to, you know, to take the life of a person out on the street, and and thus, for whatever reason, that means good guy with a gun can't possibly stop bad guys with guns. Because they're just not, they don't have these thousands of hours of training like military and law enforcement do. Yeah. And and I got that, you know, I got that gist um, in in the story as well. And, you know, the the problem I had with the article itself is that, you know, there's a couple undertones in the whole article um, that really lead, that are red flags to me that says this person doesn't realize the demographic, what he's talking about as far as the civilian population, because he, he equates, uh, or he believes that, you know, it's millions of particularly younger white men that believe they could, you know, um, uh, stop a, stop a shooting or, or actually, you know, use a gun in self-defense. That's completely wrong. There's, um, you know, women are a huge demographic in gun owners and self-defense shooters. Um, you know, it's not a white thing. It's not a racial thing. Um, there are, um, you know, plenty of black people that have, um, their own clubs specifically for self-defense shooting and gun ownership. I mean, it, it is not a ethnic thing. It is a human thing. And, um, for this guy, you know, what, what bothered me is that, you know, he, he conflates some issues, um, with, with the, you know, open carry people that, you know, tend in my eyes to go a little overboard when they're, you know, in subway or something with a, with an AR over their shoulder purposely to, you know, push the, push the, their second amendment rights. Um, and, and I understand they have every right to do that, but th- he's using those people as the example, um, of the millions and millions of concealed carriers. And th- they're not always the same group. And, you know, when he's, what he's trying to allude to, like you said, that, you know, there's no possible way that civilians can, can have enough training, you know, mental pre- preparation and physical preparation to, to stop a threat. It, it, and that's not true because like you said, and I've read many, many studies that say the, ma- the vast majority of self-defense, uh, you know, defensive gun uses are by people that have limited training. Um, and, you know, that's because w- what we talked about before is it's an instinctual thing to want to save, you know, protect your life. And while training is super important, it is not going to be the determining factor if you survive a deadly force or a defensive gun use. That's not normally when you study them, that's not the determining factor. The determining factor is, you know, did this person um, act decisively and make the right decisions decisively? Um, and I think that's where the training comes in handy. You know, I, I can watch a bunch of videos on carpentry and try to go out in my garage and build a cabinet. And I could probably do it a decent job, but it's not going to be like somebody who studies 
you know, ca- you know, uh, cabinet making and, and, you know, as a carpenter. Why? I mean, because they have years and years of, of practice, you know, so I can, d- somebody without tons of practice or training can defend themselves, but somebody who's trained more will be able to do it more efficiently. They might have other options that that person didn't see or wasn't available because they didn't have that training. So maybe, you know, that person shoots a couple times and, you know, they hit the guy a couple times and, and miss a couple times. Nobody's injured. They stop the threat. It's a good defensive gun use in, in, in theory, right? But somebody who's trained, maybe they say, you know, they shot twice, they hit the guy, they moved a cover, they shot again, they realize that there was another, ba- you know, so they they do it more efficiently or better and their tactics are better. But it's not the determining factor on if they're, they're going to be safe or if they're going to um, survive that deadly force uh, or defensive gun use or be able to stop the bad guy. I mean, he even, and, you know, one, I know I'm kind of going off, but this this really kind of got me worked up as you know somebody as a veteran trying to claim a, a right to a certain uh, opinion and 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 that opinion is supposed to hold more weight because he's a veteran or or whatnot and uh, it, it's he it's wrong um he says and i'm trying to find it right here is that uh the the church shooting where um obviously we all know that you know the the, the good guy engages the bad guy with his AR-15, says that he couldn't have made that shot with a, with a handgun. He specifically, you, you know, was able to make that shot at distance um, because of his training. He makes the shot, which, um, which strikes, strikes a bad guy. Well, in this guy's article, he says he did not prevent the massacre, but maybe he could have if he had only gotten there earlier. At least that's what people argue. Well, it, it, it's true. If he would have been there earlier and engaged that person earlier, he definitely would have stopped more people being killed because he engaged the person and it's it's not a stretch or it's almost a, a, a given fact that that person was not going to stop his shooting at that specific church. He was going to drive down the street, go to another church or go to his, his mother-in-law's house and kill them and kill somebody else. And so he did actually stop more killings. Um, so it, 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 his, his whole premise in this whole story, um, and I call it a story because it's exactly what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a fictional story that he, he has in his mind that, that civilians don't stop bad people and they can't possibly stop them because they don't have the, you know, the training of the military. And that's, it's just bogus. And I, I, I hate to, <laughs> I got all worked up on this, on this article as I was reading it. So I, I'm sorry if I went long, long winded on this, but, uh, he kind of, he kind of pushed my buttons a little bit. No, that was great. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I don't think we need to, you know, beat this one to death. Uh, it, it's clear to me, as you've already explained thoroughly, that uh, we, we we see good guys stop bad guys with guns all the time, and and it's clear in this in the Sutherland Springs, Texas case, that that man was willing and was able to run into the face of danger with his AR and engage that shooter. So the the only thing that didn't go uh, and you know, any better <clears throat> in terms of saving lives 
uh, in this, in that story is that he couldn't get there sooner, right? Had he gotten there sooner, he could have stopped that guy sooner and saved more lives. And that is, you know, that, that just blows this guy's theory up, his theory about the good guy with a gun theory being a myth. That just, it just blows it out of the water. Now, here's another story that also <laughs> blows that thought process out of the water. And this is from floridatoday.com, a story out of Rockledge, Florida, where an auto shop, well, the title is Auto Shop Employees Credited with Taking Down Accused Rockledge Gunman. This story is phenomenal because it starts out as many of our justified shooter stories do. Uh, you know, it just says here, a man armed with a 45 caliber handgun and a lot of ammunition wandered onto an auto repair shop property and began firing in the parking lot Friday afternoon, police said. The gunman killed one employee and paralyzed a second. So already, I mean, we've got a, a shooting, an active shooting taking place. Uh, it's a workplace violence incident, but at this point, I mean, it, there's no indication from these few de- details in the beginning of the story that this guy might have any sort of ties with it. It's just he shows up at this business and in the parking lot of that business began shooting people. One person is dead and another is paralyzed from a wound. So then it continues. That's when the employees at Schlenker Automotive fought back with equal force. I love that statement, by the way. And this from a news organization because, wow, there you go. That's what people, you know, good people with guns is all about is the fact that they're able to meet force with force equally. Um, That, according to Rockledge Police Chief Joseph Lasada, he said. And, or he said this also, uh, the manager who has a concealed weapons or who was a concealed weapons permit holder came out and engaged in gunfire in the parking lot. The manager fled back inside the building being chased by the gunman, another Schlenker employee who also had a concealed weapons permit engaged in gunfire with the suspect. So that's quoting the police chief, right? Uh, then police also said the suspect in the homicide is Robert Lorenzo Bailey Jr. 28 of Coco- of Co- Cocoa, Florida. Uh, by the way, which is a home of, uh, of several gun, you know, industry, uh, companies, um, like Caltech and, uh, let's see, there's also Sky. Sky is another one that's based down there in that area. Uh, there's holster manufacturers down in that area. So anyway, uh, cool place, especially if you like guns. He uh, So the uh, suspect, Robert Lorenzo Bailey Jr., age 28, he was shot twice and is in critical condition at Health First Holmes Regional Medical Center in Melbourne, Florida. Officers are keeping him under watch. So here's uh, another statement from the police chief. He says, if not for the brave, quick thinking of the employees at Schlenker, this could have been a lot worse. Mr. Bailey had multiple magazines on his person. He was intent on doing harm. The employees <laughs> stepped up in the parking lot longtime schlenker employee robert lee smith age 50 had been shot and killed by the suspect smith had stepped out into the parking lot after he heard the shot that paralyzed his 25 year old co-worker the paralyzed employee's name was not released uh, as of the writing of the story uh, detectives are still trying to determine a motive for the shooting and that no connection could be drawn between bailey and the business 
it, this is a perfect story to blow holes through that last article from Charles Clymer, whatever, uh, about a good guy with a gun theory, you know, is that, that it's a myth because mm-hmm. this story clearly shows, I mean, guess what would have happened to all the rest of these employees at this auto uh, body shop? Yeah. I'm sure Bailey would have stopped when he, he, maybe they had a, a no gun sign on the door and Bailey would have stopped there. Right. I, <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, he, he was intent on doing harm. Uh, there's no apparent connection. So he just just randomly, apparently, selected this business to shoot and kill people at. And he's going to continue doing that till he's either satisfied that he's killed enough people uh, or he takes his own life or police show up, which might be, depending on where they are, you know, a minute, three minutes, 10 minutes. 20 minutes, you know, who, who knows how long it's going to take before a proper response can be mounted by law enforcement and other professionals. And so what stopped this from being a story where we would read about four employees shot and killed at local automotive, you know, repair shop, it instead turned into one killed, one injured, two are still alive because they had guns, which meant they could fight back with equal force. Mm-hmm good guys, two of them in this story, in this case, stopped a bad guy, a really bad guy with a gun. Yep. Uh, if I could drop my mic right now, I would, but it's <laughs> mounted to a, to a stand. Well, and, and this, this story, obviously, uh, for any podcast listener, is not unique. This is every single week, multiple stories like this. So Yeah, totally. I love that story. That's going to be a favorite of mine because it's it's so real, you know. And 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 yeah, we we see a lot of stories each week, right? And so many of them, not to make light of them because I think they're all remarkable in their own ways. Uh but so many of them are dude broke into person's home. Person in that home grabbed gun, scared dude away or shot dude or you know like and it's like okay, yep, we get it. It's you know, a lot of, it's a lot of the same over and over and over. Uh this story just is very unique um, in in how it happened, but also also in how we get quite a few details with this story. This, this happened just this last Friday, a couple days ago. And so often we don't even get, you know, we, we see news stories all the time where a uh, burglar shot in home by a homeowner after a break-in. And like the, you read the paragraph and a half, you know, there's like one and a half paragraphs that are below that title and that say basically what I just gave you in the title. And you're like, <laughs> wow, whoop do you do? You know, like, so that it's just a great story. Next story is from Dayton, Ohio, where a Dayton business owner uses an AK 47 in exchange of gunfire with burglars. Now, are you comfortable sharing the details of this uh, story with, uh, with us, Matthew? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure. Uh, Take it away, uh, Bob Beckman uh, down in Dayton. He's one of the um, instructors in Dayton. Probably, probably was uh, knew about this, but um, yeah. So basically, this this owner of a cell phone store um, gets an alert. On, the business is closed. Uh, gets an alert on his phone or whatever that some of his security cameras or security system is going off. Um, so he drives to the uh to his store and as he arrives he sees uh, a guy start running uh, through the parking lot starts shooting at him uh, coincidentally the owner of the store has a 
AK-47 on his car seat uh, next to him, loaded apparently, and uh, pulls it out and starts engaging with the uh, with the bad guy. And uh, he believes he hits the bad guy um, uh, with gunfire. Then the bad guy gets in a car, starts to drive off. He, the the store owner, continues to pursue the bad guy in his vehicle and only terminates the pursuit when he starts <laughs> being shot at from the from the other guy's uh, car. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple different lessons of things to do and not to do or generally probably not great ideas. But in this case, um, you know, he, you know, he was able to at least... Uh, you know, if he would have just been driving up to check his security cameras or whatever, um, unarmed or anything and started to be shot at, you know, who's to say that he would have even survived that, uh, that initial encounter. So, yeah. Wow. Isn't, isn't this also a great story? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. I mean, the, I was reading it. I'm like, he had a, he had an AK 47 on his, on his seat right next to him. I mean, that's, that's riding pretty deep right there. <laughs> You're going prepared, prepared, man. Are, are you knocking yeah. on this guy for being prepared? <laughs> no, not at all. I was, I was like, wow, that's, that's, uh, that's not taking anything, you know, and I, I don't know the area. I, apparently it's probably not a great area. Cause I think in the story or in the news article, it said he's been broken into like three times in the last, I don't know, six months or something like that. So it's probably not the the first rodeo, you know, that he's been on as far as dealing with criminals and things like that. So probably a little rougher time, but part of town. So, um, yeah, you, you, you know, he came prepared. Yeah. Yeah. No, (laughs) it's one of my favorites because, you know, here we, we, not only do we hear this myth of an argument, uh, such as, you know, good guy with gun stopping a bad guy is a myth, but we also hear that, the whole, you know, AR-15s and AK-47s and assault weapons, you know, they don't serve any legitimate purpose or use. And this is not the first time we've shared stories like this, but it's, I just find it so appropriate that today, uh, you know, and during a time where there is talk being bantered about in light of the Las Vegas uh, shooting and this thing in California that, hey, we need to, we, we got to step up. We got to be like Australia, man. We got to be like Canada. We got to be like the UK and we got to ban these assault weapons and semi-automatics and all this stuff because they don't serve any legitimate purpose. Yet this guy totally just defended him, his life with an AK 47. Is that not a legitimate purpose? Yeah. I, you know, and yeah, he rolled up on scene with his AK in his passenger seat. Awesome. <laughs> he, you know, he knew something now, maybe like you said, there's probably some things that he perhaps could have done differently or better. Uh, it doesn't say that he um, called police uh, before <laughs> he uh, uh, went to the store. Uh, it just talks about how he drove, you know, he, he got alerts on his phone about security. He went to the store. He then engaged with the suspects then chased after them. Then it says that he returned back to his store and, and reported it to police. Okay. Maybe uh, on your way to the store initially, you know, that's a good time to call police. Um, or maybe not chase after them when you know they're armed and you know they're willing to shoot at you and, and chase after them so that you give them more opportunities to shoot back at you. But regardless of all that, he uses a legitimate weapon in a legitimate way 
and effectively defends himself. And I just think that is so awesome. Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me, by the way, of, I think a long time ago, I don't remember what episode it was, but it was quite a while ago now, uh, last year sometime, when it was like a 12 or 14-year-old kid that used an AK. And I think in that case, it was an AK-74 uh, to defend himself from a uh, an intruder in his home. <laughs> you know, uh, this this crap is real. People actually use those types of guns in legitimate ways all the time. There was that guy in Texas and uh, I think the Houston area, uh, not, not too long ago, a couple months now, but you know, that shot and killed, was it three or four suspects in a vehicle yeah. as they pulled up on him in front of his house. He's on his front porch with an, for whatever reason, he had an AR, you know, just sitting there on the porch with him. Uh, <laughs> hey, I think that's cool. I mean, I don't usually sit on my porch with my AR with me. I've got my handgun on me always, but you know, it, but he totally is right there. They roll up, they start firing at him with an AR, and he's like, "Screw that!" Boom, boom, <laughs> boom, boom, and takes them all out. You know, um, yeah, th- this this is this is real, and the fact that we talk about these weapons, uh, you know, and suggest that there's no good purpose for them because the only thing, and by the way, it is proliferated in the media where, you know, there's so much focus on the fact that the Las Vegas shooter and this uh, Rancho Tejama shooter in Northern California and others, you know, use these AR-15s or assault rifles or whatever the media chooses to call them. And they focus so much on that, that look, you know, the public gets the idea that these are only used in these mass shootings and they don't see the good that comes out of lawfully abiding and law abiding and lawfully armed Americans. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome story. So now we turn to a story from Houston, Texas. Click to Houston.com reports teen shot while attempting to rob retired Marine at North Harris County home. Deputies say, and uh, the story goes uh, that that, a, that four males, four juvenile, it appears, um, teens, males, walked up to this man's home in Northeast Harris County in the Houston area uh, in Texas. It was about 1030 p.m. on Friday. The homeowner was standing in the driveway with his garage door open when the teens ambushed him and held him at gunpoint. One came alongside through here, and next thing I knew, I had a gun to the back of my head, homeowner Alexander Borrego said. They told me to get up, so I stood up. My garage door was open, so my main concern was my family at that point. His wife and children were inside the house. Borrego said the teens grabbed and pulled him. What the teens didn't know was that Borrego was also armed. I had my pistol in the front pouch of my hoodie, Borrego said. Which, you know, we could look at that, obviously, Matthew, and be like, you know, right. you know, maybe. But maybe in this case, you know, and obviously if he's being responsible, he's being careful. I could totally see somebody who's got a hoodie on Pocket and they're just going out to the garage for a smoke or whatever. And they just they just throw a gun in the in the hoodie pocket and they're not doing anything. You know, like I could totally see someone doing that. They're just going out the garage for a quick breath of fresh air and they're, they're not really doing anything else. And it's like, OK, throw the gun in the in the in the hoodie pocket and you know call it good. You know, not how I typically would carry. But in this case, it might have actually played to his favor because of, of the way it allowed him to access his gun. Uh, 
so that he didn't alert these teens to what he was about to do. Because the story continues. He said he did what he had to do. As soon as I got my hand on my pistol, I turned towards the guy that had the gun at the back of my head. I immediately removed the pistol away from my head as I began firing at those guys. This dude, I don't know what kind of training he has, if he has any at all. He totally does, you know, what, what a person would need to do in a hostage type scenario where you are being held at gunpoint from behind gun at your head. And he totally does. Uh, I've done, I've been through training, you know, where we practice this very thing. And I I often think to myself like, Oh, this, this is so it's not likely that I'm going to have to use this, but by golly, uh, if I was in the situation, I'd, I'd be glad that I knew how to do it. I don't know if this guy knew anything, but he totally, you know, he turns, he basically parries away the gun from his head. He moves out of the line of fire. He draws his own weapon and begins firing yeah. at these guys. Awesome. And according to the deputies, uh, Borrego shot the boy twice, once in the chest and again in the leg. The four boys ran from the retired Marine's house to the home of the teen who was injured. His mother took him to a hospital. Investigators said he is expected to survive. The homeowner was not injured. Now, by the way, I, t- I, I, I said I don't know exactly what training he has. Well, we do know that he's a Marine. Right. And so, he's pretty, so you would pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he's pretty cool. He's all right. But but you you do get a little bit of uh training in the Marine Corps and uh as far as like you know dealing with what he just dealt with, right? As far yeah, as you, um at anybody through a weapon take away or something like that. Yeah, anybody in boot camp regardless if you're infantry or uh you know a photographer or whatever, um you get uh some basic like it's it's kind of transition now into like a MMA martial arts combination of self-defense training, but hand to hand stuff, certainly. Um, and you know, um, and overall, I think more is the willingness to, to fight and survive and, and to not be, not be a victim is a mindset that, you know, a lot of, you know, you kind of have drilled into you. So that coupled with, you know, uh, drive to survive and, you know, some basic hand to hand skills, um, can overcome a lot of, uh, uh, you know, that initial probably, uh, uh, person with the gun who wasn't expecting that. Yeah, totally. And, and you don't have to be a Marine or a heavily trained, you know, uh, I don't know, jujitsu master or something to be able to do this. Like you said, I mean, some basic knowledge certainly would help. And certainly more of that training, the more you could get, the better off you'd be. But the the key here is that he was not willing to be a victim. He took action. And when he took the action, it, it seems apparent to me, and this is one of the most important things, anytime you are going to deal with somebody face-to-face, hand-to-hand, especially when they are armed like this, you if you're going to do it, if you're going to commit, then you have to commit. If you only go halfway, uh, if you if you if you're just not fully engaged, you know, you're kind of like, yeah, I, I I know I need to do this, but I have a little hesitancy or a little bit of doubt. Uh, you're gonna lose. In this case, though, he realized, hmm, I'm in a pretty bad position. Dude is behind me with gun to my head. I am armed, and but you know, <laughs> how how can I solve the situation? And so he commits. He goes in all, you know, goes all in, gets the gun away from him as he's drawing, and then he fires, and uh, he he solves the problem. 
bravo, bravo, Mr. Alexander Borrego. Uh, that, I just think that is, uh, I mean, I told you we'd have some great justified stories today, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't, you, uh, you lived up to your, <laughs> to your promise. One last one. Yeah. These are, these were all really, these were all real good ones. Um, yeah. Yeah. One, one, one more. And like, I sometimes save the best for last, and I think this is the best one, even though we've already had some really good ones. Because it's very applicable to a lot of people, I think we'll find. Right. So this last story just happened yesterday in Lenexa, Kansas, uh, at a Costco. The title is, this is KansasCity.com reporting, I thought I was going to die. Shoppers in terror as off-duty officer kills armed man at Lenexa Costco. A man who brandished a gun inside a busy Costco wholesale store Sunday in Lenexa was shot and killed by an off-duty police officer who was there shopping, according to Lenexa police. Police responded shortly after 11 a.m. to the store. When they, when they arrived, they found that the shooting was already over. An off-duty officer who happened to be in the store shop, shopping had fatally shot the armed man. Customers and employees fled to the, through the store when the man shouting and carrying a gun stood just inside the entrance. I thought I was going to die, Betty Willits, 82, of Merriam, uh, Kansas, said. She, she uh, remembered her frantic struggle to keep up with those fleeing as employees shouted, Run, run, run to the back. A man brandishing a gun was shot and killed at, uh, there. And the police did not say which agency the, the off-duty officer worked for, but several news reports said he was a Kansas City, Kansas Police Department officer. No one else was injured, and police were not looking for anyone else involved in the shooting. The off-duty officer was shopping, quoting uh, the uh, 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 police chief there. He was just shopping, just happened to be there when all this occurred. Thankfully, he was. Here's another story that totally blows holes through Mr. Clymer's good guy with a gun theory is a myth argument, right? Yep. Because here you have a pretty scary situation in a busy, crowded Costco store. A man just pulls out a gun. Now, it's interesting because he didn't, he didn't pull out his gun and it appears and just start shooting randomly uh, or immediately. But he, he, was, he pulled it out, was maybe waving it around. Um, still a threat and still a problem that needed to be solved. Uh, and maybe he would have, can, you know, pressed forward with using that gun. We don't know. And the reason we don't know is because a good guy, and yes, he was an off-duty cop, off-duty cop or not, it could have been a regular Joe dude, you know, carrying concealed that did the same thing. And because he was there, he was close by and he was legally and lawfully armed he was able to stop this dude. Yeah. I mean, this, this story, you know, I said it's going to apply to a lot of people or be applicable, but I mean, just because it's an off duty police officer doesn't mean that anyone that's listening to the podcast, that's a concealed carrier doesn't go to Costco or any of these other stores. And this was at 11 o'clock in the, in the afternoon or in, in the morning. Um, it's not like, you know, middle of the night in the sketchy part of town. Um, this is anybody going, you know, going to Costco to pick up your Thanksgiving day turkey or whatever. And, you know, hundreds of people in there and you're that concealed carrier, you're the good guy with the gun. Um, and so, you know, I, I, we, I think we've pretty much debunked his, 
you know, good guy with a gun myth article. Um, oh, yeah. It, it's just every, every time, you know, it, it, the statements from the people that are on scene and the survivors of these incidents say, you know, thank God that somebody was there that stopped this this maniac. Or, or you know, I would hate to see what would have happened had he not been stopped there. You know, yes, he killed four people, but thank God that he didn't kill 44 people because he was stopped. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. You know, I, I just, it, it, time and time again, I think, you know, we've, we've shown just in these, this, there's just this week. I mean, and this is just a, a we had to whittle down some of the stories, um, for time. Right. Yep. Uh, and, and you know what else? Oh, go on, go on. No, you're, you're okay. No, I, I was going to mention that this is a Costco <laughs> and their policy, uh, prohibits, normal concealed carriers he was able to because they allow for you know uh off-duty police officers but um so you know if that police officer wouldn't been there and you know it just goes to show you that these these gun-free policies or no no gun policies it's it's it doesn't make anybody safer it really really doesn't i mean it i've said it it kind of makes a criminal safer because now he's attacking you know people that are not armed so he's you know safer but um it doesn't make people safer it, it might make give them a warm and fuzzy that oh you know i don't see any guns and, and and i'm in a safe area and but that's just a psychological thing it's it's not a real safety it's a it's a safety out of uh ignorance yeah so that that was something else. I, that was something I was going to point out, right, about the whole Costco uh, firearms policy thing. Uh, and this is what it says right now on their website uh, under member privileges and conditions. It says Costco policy prohibits firearms to be brought into the warehouse except in the case of authorized law enforcement officers. This causes me sometimes when I read stuff like language like that, like, well, what is authorized? You know, what who is a law an authorized law enforcement officer? I mean, because this dude is who would off- be an unauthorized. <laughs> yeah, this guy would be an duty. unauthorized law enforcement officer, <laughs> right? And, and I've seen some policies where, um, you know, a policy would state something along. And, and I'm not talking about Costco. I'm talking about like other establishments where they they specify uh, that uh, you know, but a law enforcement officer that is uh, required by duty uh, or required by policy. Right. Um, to carry or something like, you know, something along those lines. And, you know, I, I don't, like I say, I, their, their policy is generally pretty anti-gun. I guess they're okay with law enforcement officers. And in this case, they're probably not going to, you know, whine too much about this guy. Cause they're going to be like, well, he's a cop and he just saved our butts. Um, but, you know, I think this is so interesting because you have a business like Costco that has an anti-gun policy and it really is that. Uh, they, I, I couldn't find this on the website, but I did find where someone had posted uh, a, a larger, uh, it's like a three-part paragraph section about their policy about personal firearms in stores. And there's an interesting thing here under one of the paragraphs says, Costco does not believe that it is necessary for firearms to be brought into its warehouse stores except in the case of authorized law enforcement officers for the protection of all of our members and employees. We feel this is a reasonable and prudent precaution to ensure a pleasant shopping experience and safe workplace. Our policy is meant to protect our members and employees in all warehouses around the world 
if this is or this is not a new policy and we do not customize the policy for each individual city, county, state, count or, or country where we do business. Our primary goal at Costco Wholesale is to keep our members happy. If you believe that our policy restricting members from bringing firearms into our warehouse stores is either unfair or ex- excessively burdensome, or you cannot agree to abide by this policy, or you are dissatisfied for any other reason, Costco will promptly refund your annual membership fee in full. Well, at least they're cool enough to give you your money back in full. But, you know, it's clear to me in reading this that they are so oblivious to how stupid their policy is because it did nothing as far as stopping this guy from coming into their store in the first place, brandishing his gun. So the only thing you do is you keep law-abiding, decent people that might be there to save your butts and stop guys like him you, you, the only thing you do is you stop those people, the the good people, from carrying into your store. Yeah. And so I, I know that they might look at it, like I said. They might look at this situation and be like, well, it was a cop. We're cool. We're good. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, bro. Appreciate you. You know, you, you did us a solid. But if this was a concealed carrier that ignored their policy, and I know there are those out there that would, that do that, Um if this was a concealed carrier that did that, I'd be curious to see how they would respond. Yeah. I I mean, and, and this question always comes up, always, always comes up in the concealed carry classes that I have. And, you know, what if you used, you know, your firearm in a defensive gun use in a, in a area that, or a, you know, a store that has a policy. And, and I've always said, you know, yes, you're, you're, then, and, and yes, different states have different, um, criminality associated with bringing a firearm into private property. Some it's a civil charge, some it's a criminal charge. In Ohio, it has to be, it happens to be uh, a criminal misdemeanor, trespassing misdemeanor. Um, if you, um, you know, bring, bring a firearm into a, like, like a Costco, um, it could, they could prosecute you for a criminal trespassing misdemeanor. Um, and I always say, yep. yeah, you're you're violating the law. So if that district attorney wants to prosecute you for that, they absolutely could. Um, you know, but I can't see. I mean, I always say, you know, most prosecutors, even though that they, they, they are tied to uh, or they're trying to progress their careers, and a lot of it is politically motivated, and the the you know, the cases that they take on and things like that are definitely tied to politics and what they can successfully prosecute and not. But I just can't see a lot of prosecutors going at or going with charging somebody who just saved multiple people. I mean, it doesn't say that Costco wouldn't pursue it, but I don't know if a prosecutor would stake their career to trying to shame a, you know, concealed care who might've saved or stopped the mass shooting, but it's not out of the, out of the realm of possibilities given certain areas that you might be living in and where that prosecutor might be working. So if you're in a very gun unfriendly area, that might be a case that that prosecutor wants to, you know, tie his wagon to so he can, you know, champion himself as an anti-gun person when he runs for the next, you know, uh, uh, being a, you know, a higher prosecutor or a, you know, a community, 
uh, position or something like that, that might be something he wants to hang his laurels on. So I don't know, you know, um, it's not an easy question, but it's definitely something yeah. to think about. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of my favorite arguments that I hear from people uh, when they hear about businesses that have no firearms policy, right, is it's always the yeah, they don't know it can't hurt them. <laughs> Meaning that they're yeah, they're 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 going to carry regardless uh and you know, they're thinking it's going to stay concealed, no one will know, what no one knows is you know, won't hurt them and thus it's cool. I'm going to be fine. And you know what? Whatever. That's fine. That's cool. Um but in some states policies like this do like you like you suggested matthew in some states have even heavier penalties than a than a a a simple trespassing misdemeanor charge like like it you know and by the way colorado is very similar to ohio um a, a prosecutor has quite a bit of discretion as to the charge they might actually pursue against you in cases like that uh but it is similar in that regard uh some states that sort of uh Policy does not carry the force of law, meaning they, they can't really prosecute it. And, and, and in many states, it, it does. And you do run that risk. Now, I would say better dead or better not dead than, you know, maybe fighting a little misdemeanor charge or something. Uh, because frankly, if it meant living or dying, a misdemeanor is nothing, you know, <laughs> sign me up. I'll take that every, every time, you know, but, uh, it, it, you know, it is something that, that you got to weigh. Uh, certainly, it is these businesses' rights to have policies like this. Uh, it's within their their you know it's their property. It's within their rights to do so. But it's stupid, and I, I wish we could get it through to some of these corporate heads, you know, uh, in charge, you know, into their brains that hey, <laughs> this policy doesn't doesn't do anything for you. Now, maybe it's an insurance company that uh, you know that say hey, we'll give you. 5% discount if you have a no firearms policy or whatever, exactly. which is stupid on the part of insurance companies. But I could totally understand why a corporation might go, oh, yeah, that's not a big deal to us. So whatever, you know, but it's just fascinating to me that in this instance, we have a good guy with a gun, stop a bad guy with a gun in a place where guns are not really appreciated. And yet he totally saves their bacon. Yeah. And it proves, I mean, there's just so much in the story because then it also proves that their policy does absolutely nothing because they say they have the policy for the sake of the, of protecting the shopping experience and the lives and health and well-being of their patrons and their employees. Guess what? Your policy means jack squat. (laughs) Exactly. It's just, it's one of those things. And I think until, um, people or the laws there until there's a case, a successful case of a person suing a company or a business that, that, you know, doesn't allow firearms on the property and they are injured in a shooting, uh, by a bad guy with a gun and they were, you know, not allowed to carry their firearm until there's a successful case, uh, you know, that kind of sets some case law that says, you know, businesses, that's all well and good if you want to have a no gun policy. But if somebody, if somebody starts, you know, if somebody's injured on your property due to a crime, a a criminal with a firearm or something that, and that person could have defended themselves, had it not been for your store policy, then you're liable until that happens. I think, you know, that a lot of these stores just err on the side of caution, toss up the sign, whether they're, 
pro gun or not, they put it up and they're like, Hey, you know, I, I just don't want to deal with it. And they don't really realize what the heck they're doing. <laughs> yep. Well, obviously we're preaching to the choir here, but uh, you know, this is just, this is a great story and it frankly has a, that's the way I see it, a happy ending. I mean, I, it, it isn't, I, we don't know much about this guy that was sh- shot, the bad guy, uh, what his motives were, but, uh, he threatened the lives of a lot of people uh, there, and uh, a good guy took care of uh, took care of him. Um, and so, I, I told you though, we had a lot of great stories for the the justified segment of this week's podcast. And uh, you know, we had so many great stories uh, this week that it ended up being a, a pretty lengthy episode that we've split it up now into two fairly lengthy episodes. <laughs> a lot of good stuff coming your way that you know. So. Uh, uh, we appreciate you all listeners for listening to the concealed carry podcast. Uh, and so just a reminder that today's episode and things that allow us to continue bringing this content and talking about this stuff with you each and every week is stuff like guardian nation. What that I hope that you'll go and consider joining guardiannation.com. And also the other sponsor of today's episode is pig lube and pig lube makes, in my opinion, some of the best, firearm lube out there period uh and they, they put a fun little twist on it as well as far as uh you know they got scented and unscented varieties so whatever suits your your fancy uh they've got a, a lube for you and the scented variety smells like bacon grease and i which i love and uh, it's not super you know it's just so folks know it's not like crazy powerful it's not like you crack the lid on on a tube of pig lube and like <laughs> boom bacon you know it's it's not like that at all. It's uh, it, it's 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 pretty subtle, and but, but if you get there. up right there, you 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 can smell it, right? And it's yeah. kind of it's it's fun and it's satisfying. Um, you know, and that that was kind of the whole idea was, hey, let's put bacon smelling. It's it's not actually it's not actual bacon grease. They don't take bacon grease right from the pan and <laughs> stick it in the 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 lube, and you know, there you go, because that would actually cause problems because that lube could actually or that bacon grease could actually go rancid. And cause problems, uh, you know. So, so it's a synthesized baking uh, grease or scent, um, and then the lube itself is amazing. It uses nanoparticle technology, uh, similar to lu- uh, lubricants and oils that are used in today's Formula One racers, and also uh, in other high-end quality lubricants out there, where the nanoparticles really get into the microscopic pores of the metal and smooth it all out. And trust me, it really works. So go check out Pig Lube today, concealedcarry.com forward slash pig lube, P-I-G-L-U-B-E, concealedcarry.com forward slash pig lube. Appreciate your support of our sponsors and products that we mentioned on the podcast as it makes everything we do here at concealedcarry.com and the Concealed Carry podcast possible and for bringing awesome people on like Matthew Marister. So thank you for being here again <laughs> with me today, uh, Matthew. Well, I'm not that awesome, but I, I appreciate you, uh, you having me back, man. I always love coming on here. Yeah. Awesome, buddy. So we're going to sign off. And so with that, folks, be safe out there. Carry your guns. Get some awesome training. Check out our training network with awesome instructors like Matthew Marister and others. So with that, go to be successful, train right, train off, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true.
A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.